views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Good morning. Happy, happy overcast Thursday. That's today. Is today's Thursday? Today is Wednesday. Listen, today is Wednesday. Happy overcast Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, then Wednesday. I am Summer Sibley Brown filling in for Neville James as the host of Analyze This on WTJX 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. How is everyone doing out there? You know, when you sit up here in the studio, you have the privilege of kind of looking out over um, Miracle Mile, and now I'm seeing <laughs> I'm seeing the clouds and the overcast, and this is actually one of my favorite forms of weather. Um, hope y'all had a wonderful sleep last night. Hope you know that thunder didn't shake anybody out of their beds. Today is the last Thursday of the month, which means that we have the pleasure, and I have the pleasure, of hosting Vitima Director Daryl Jashin. He will be here in studio, and we're going to be getting updates on Vitima. We're going to be getting um, updates on what they've been up to, and I, I think they've been up to a lot. We're going to be talking about the Great Shakeout, which I had the privilege of talking to him about the last time I was filling in for Neville, so for me, this feels like some continuity, um, and that's the first time I had heard of the Great Shakeout, and so now we're going to get to find out what actually happened, how the drill went, um, you know, he's going to give us all that information, and I want to also let everybody know, like, we are under flash flood warning, um, so... Tuesday, October 25th, um, out of the National Weather Service in Sangwang, there was issued a flash flood warning. And so I think we're under flash flood till, let's see. Well, we'll ask Director Jashin when he come in because I'm reading the paper and I just know that we could expect up to maximum rainfall accumulations may average between three and six inches um, with locally higher amounts of up to 10 inches of rain. And so, you know, if you need to prepare your homes in the meantime, if you still have some of those sandbags from Fiona, you know, if you need to clean guts, drains, prepare yourself, we may be getting rain. And while rain is my favorite weather, we still have to prepare for it when, you know, we get it in abundance. Um, yeah, I, I want to say, I wonder we should follow up <laughs> during my time here to see if we're still in drought. Because a lot of times people think because we have rain, we're actually not suffering from drought. And the extreme weather exchange is part of what we experience as climate. Our new climate action our new weather takes us on like that oscillating very very dry to very very wet and so i'm interested in finding out what our actual rainfall is and if we are in drought and we have the esteemed and often very busy i am sure director jashin in the house good morning, good morning sir. Thank you for the invitation again to come back and, and talk about what's going on in the world and what's going on in the territory. Yeah, no. So I'll just disclaimer. Last time you were here, that was like one of the most enlightening interviews and actually my favorite interview. That well, you know, I had about three or four of them and, and you fell in the like top echelon of all the things I learned. Oh. Um, so I hope 
the people out in Radio Land was learning with me. So I'm happy to have you back. Oh, thank you so much. Again, a lot to talk about this morning also. Okay, well, I think we should jump right into it. Um, tell me, give us the updates. Okay, we'll talk about the weather first. This morning I had a talk with the National Weather Service in Puerto Rico. That's the official group we go to. And of course, we have a couple of things heading this way. We have a combination of a, a wave coming from the traditional you know, east to west, which is just outside Leicester Antilles. Then we have this uh, trough, which actually is going from the west to the east. So the convergence of those two are occurring um, basically starting this afternoon or a little bit last night right over on the territory, including uh, Clebra and Vieques in Puerto Rico. And of course, St. Croix, St. Thomas, St. John, and Water Island also. So we're looking at probably this afternoon starting to get some rain. Um, Puerto Rico and the western part of Puerto Rico yesterday got received last night um, about an inch of rain per hour for about three hours. So that was, that's a significant amount of rain. And so our concern right now is uh, the impact of territory. Uh, as these two fronts come together, um, it's going to cause it to sort of stall over us. The word I'll use is stall eventually it will move off to the north. So about for 24 hours, we're going to have a lot of rain coming down in the territory. So don't pick on any particular island to say it's not going to come there. It's basically going to come um, there. We're working with uh, the Department of Education. The commissioner this morning talked to her um, via text. Uh, no need to change schools. Um, so schools are going forward this morning as, as normal. But we are concerned. Uh, text to Governor Brian and Chief of Staff yesterday just to make sure that uh, if we need to, I'm going to put the uh, activation of the EOCs. Obviously, the weather updates went out this morning. We are still under a, a tropical uh, flood watch. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's a concern is potentially um, with the rain coming down in low-lying areas, it could be, uh, have a tropical um, flood um, occur. So we want to be basically uh, aware of what's happening. Um, if you're driving, we have rain coming through, coming down. It's going to pull together. Please do not go across water that basically has been pulled up because it only takes about two feet of water to float your car, and even less than that to hydroplane it if you're going over a certain speed. So please be very, very careful. When you're out and about, um, probably tonight, you can see a lot more rain coming down. So as you're going home, uh, definitely be very careful of the environment, no matter which island you're on. So what I would recommend, which is, so first of all, that's something I learned today. Just two feet of water in your car, your car is going to have that drift potentially, right? Which if you don't expect it, you can lose control of it really quickly because mm -hmm. you're, you're trying to pull it back. So don't drive over pools of water. Mm -hmm. um, and second, listen, we have we have time now. If you if you do have time, if you're home, if you're on the road, if you need anything, please go out and get it now because when the rain starts, I would imagine that we would be encouraged. If and when the rain mm -hmm. starts, we would probably be encouraged to stay off the road because the, le the less of us on the road, then it's clearer for people to deal with emergencies if they occur so if you have time today on your lunch break or now do what you need to do before the rain starts because if it comes they'll be like please stay home yeah and, and we are talking to us with our service we have 11 o'clock update this morning um you know because they don't have any uh stations here in the territory a lot of it they rely upon us telling them what's going on if we do have significant rain we'll ask them to go ahead and put a a uh, flash flood warning out which basically means you should probably know in that area a lot of rain is coming down at the time and be very very mindful of the conditions already exist and we are seeing some um, evidence of flash flooding going on so that's again we're not there yet but we'll be talking to ash weather service we talk to them all the time um, they're great uh, to talk to as you as you know and so neville james knows also um, they provide the forecast, not just for the Atlantic or for the big picture. They talk about specifically for the islands of St. Croix, St. Thomas, St. John, and Water Island. So they're very much looking out for our best interests in the territory. 
I'm smiling because I was thinking to myself, so you have to, you know, like, when I was hearing you deliver the preparation plan, I was like, Director Joshua know a lot about the weather, too. I mean, he's using, like, real weather service language. I was like, okay, right? That's kind of, like, you understanding the components of weather enough to then prep your team and also deliver it accurately to the community. So I was like, that's pretty cool. Um, a little bit of weather in there. And, and it was fantastic. We talked about weather service. You know, they're, they're, they're meteorologists. They're certified individuals, but they're very patient, and we ask questions about the wind, about the surge, about uh, conditions, direction, movement. You know, so we, we look at it from a, a human perspective and impact upon um, individuals who live here, even maritime conditions. We're very much concerned about what's going to happen here and try to take that information and translate it to a certain degree to what it makes sense to us as the public, but also understand there's certain things that we want to make sure everybody knows what a tropical wave is. So that, that's traditional tropical cyclone. Mm-hmm. You know, those are things, but we want to understand the impact specifically uh, on rainfall and direction and movement and forecast uh, so we can keep that information up to the public. Yeah, no, I think you are doing a great job of that, um, especially basic practical things you need to do. Like I would have never thought to share with someone about driving over water, even though that happens all the time. Um, So that that emergency preparation. okay, that's amazing. Like the level of detail that you're providing in the community, really, really, really appreciate it because yeah, I'm and, learning all the time. And also, besides us talking on the radio like this, uh, we do send out the alert messages through Alert VI systems. So if you've not signed up to that, please go out to the Vitima website, www.vitima.vi.gov, and you can sign up for alert messages. You can choose by district if you want to, you can choose by territory, uh, earthquakes. Uh, you know, anything that happen, weather conditions, we will keep you informed. Uh, as soon as we get it from National Weather Service, we'll put it out. And in some cases, like a uh, flash flood warning, it'll go straight from the National Weather Service, straight through your phone, uh, through email, through a phone call, basically in text messages to keep you informed. And you can sign up for both English and Spanish. And just for clarity, because I think we talked about this before, but a watch is when we should be, it could happen but we're not sure, and a warning means it's coming? I, I'd confuse them. Okay, the easiest part, I'll put it in the terms of a tropical cyclone coming forward, so you're looking at the onset of tropical storm force winds. So that's when the winds are basically you know, 35, 39 miles per hour or greater, and that's when we start in the tropical storm watch will go out 48 hours prior to the onset, I mean, hitting shoreline, if you will, that will be impacted locally. And then the, tri- the warning will go out 36 hours. So it gives you time to get prepared. And of course, with 911, with fire and EMS and police, once we start getting those, those warnings coming in and those winds do pick up, uh, we will stop going out and rescuing individuals. We'll put you in the queue. That's why we want you to make sure when you start going and preparing, you have 36 hours to prepare your final preparations. But once that, that winds pick up, uh, we basically want to keep the first responders very, very safe. And as soon as it, after it comes by, we will go back out and respond back to you. So if you want to try to go to a shelter, for example, make that decision early. And we want to open up shelters 24 hours out if we open up shelters for the onset of, of a particular storm conditions. That's, that's really helpful to me. I didn't even know that. So there are times, there are literal time, I wanted to say constraints, but they're not constraints. They're t- time as a measurement, <laughs> or it's, it's a tool that helps 
determine when those watches, warnings, and certain activities are given out in terms of emergency management for weather. Yes, pretty straight for the the tropical storms, for the tropical storm or hurricanes coming through with the floods. You know, flood watch for under, I mean, the conditions could occur. So be careful. As you get a warning perspective, we've already seen the actual activities starting to occur elsewhere nearby. So again, when you hear a warning, that's really, you should be very much alert. And again, we talked about not going out. Please, once under a warning comes through, especially for flash floods, you have to be very careful of your environment. And and again, it may be dry an hour ago, but as you see the rains come down from the hills, they're going to accumulate and they're going to go on the roads. And most of us know where the road conditions are already poor. Of course, tourists coming through here have no idea. So if you happen to be in the hotels or you're a leader out there or a hotel manager, please let them know. Um, We have low-lying areas that have water accumulating. Do not go through those areas. Try to drive around them. We have multiple routes to go to, to the same place on St. Croix, St. Thomas, Mm -hmm. and St. John. So always have that in mind and look at your routes ahead of time. Yeah, and I imagine in St. John, I mean, St. John and St. Thomas flash flooding because of the high altitudes that they have on the hills, right? That could happen pretty quickly on that waterfront area. I've seen it. It just, you know, you almost forget that there was land there because it is, it is robust. It's like, it's huge, especially in Coral Bay on St. John. We have a lot of hazard mitigation plans that are put into plex, and basically a lot of it based upon the flood zones. So we have known flooding areas, and again, you talk about you know particular season, how things go through. We talk about the hundred-year rains and the floods that go through. So we do have a hazard mitigation that we try to go after and put preventive measures in. So it's not just one time, but we've known these for years. And part of having that plan is to go after some federal funds also to put some measures in place. I, I, if we have time, I want to talk about the hundred year rains, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I've basically that cycle, right? When we talk about climate, climate and weather are two different things. And, you know, mm-hmm. like you learn it in fifth grade, like, you know, weather is what's happening in the day, but climate is, is, is over a long period of time. And so some of these cycles, the hundred year rains, some of these cycles have existed, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. And we as the generation alive now are just participating in it and mitigating and surviving the best that we can. And luckily for us in this in this day and age, we have a lot of technology. Our homes are different. We have a lot more education. So we're aware. But just to like highlight for the listening audience, like some of this is just the natural cycle of the earth that in our generation we're participating in. Um, and so I wonder how close we are to the next hundred year reigns. Is this it or is there more? But we don't have to prioritize that now. It's just like when you said it, I was like, ah, what an interesting thing. What an interesting thing to explore. Yeah, the other piece is on insurance. For home insurance, homeowners, we typically get, you know, wind-driven rain. We get, uh, you know, hurricane insurance, but very few people get flood insurance. So, mm. so having known that you're in a flood zone, a lot of times some of the mortgage uh, companies will require you uh, to have that or will have a very steep um, deductible on that. So be very careful if you're building a home, buying a home, and it's considered in a flood, flood zone, make sure you investigate that. A lot of people like in Florida for Hurricane Ian, about only 18% had the actual flood insurance. As we saw in Florida, a lot, a lot of surge that came through, and a lot of the insurance policies uh, did not cover floods. Um, let me ask a question. If someone was to go on www.vitima.vi.gov, would there be a map of floodplains? Ooh, uh, 
We have evacuation zones for tsunamis. Floodplains really go back to our hazard mitigation plan. Mm. Um, and I don't know if that's published on our our um, our website at this point, but it's a great question. I have to go back and do some research on that one. Um, it, it's a public document, and we do outreach a lot of time with hazard mitigation plan. I just don't know if we published it. The last one we published was in 19. We have a new one coming out next year, and, and so we're going to make sure we get that signed off. And it's going to have a lot of information about not just natural uh, disasters, but also man-made disasters and how we do hazard mitigation against that. Yeah, you know, I, I think one thing I would love to see, and this is not singular to Vitima, but, you know, with GIS mapping now, and we look at the ways things, just to help people understand the overlay, like if we had maps of the island, so you could like, ping, tsunami zone, and then you lay, layer on top, and this is a flood zone, and this, so like people are beginning to understand, even as we begin to develop the island um, for economic development, the layouts of what is happening where in particular areas, and yes, one for mitigation, but also two for how we look at that land use. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we have, we have the mechanisms and the technology. Now, I know that's not a, it's not a cheap task, right, to map all three islands, but I think it would be a wonderful one. Well, well you have done that. University of Virgin Islands, the UVI cell, we work with them quite a bit. Dr. Greg Grinnell um, has really helped us, and we've done a lot of relooking at um, flood areas and zones, and we look at that for a lot of, the, again, hazard mitigation is a key thing for us to, to have um, documentation on and make sure we have a good plan in place and then that drives a lot of the funding we can get also but ultimately is making those areas safer uh, to live in building codes could be uh, adjusted to support that but it's very important we look at that and we have it available it's a matter of just figuring out how we get out to the public and again a lot of outreach we do uh, especially for the hazard mitigation plan we publish those we do have the the town hall meetings have individuals come together it's the same individuals that come every single time so please if we have a chance to have a town hall meetings, we'll put the information out. Please come and get a chance for you to, to listen to us and see what's going on that impacts us in the territory. So I have not been to one of your town halls, so I will, you know, the, the, the first thing you could do is you could commit, right? So I yeah. will try to pay attention and come to the next one. And then I want to encourage everyone who has been coming, bring a friend. Bring a friend. Information is power. And um, I also find that people who have interest in our community, they're the ones who are continuing to show up. And so we need to expand that. We are, you are listening to Analyze This. We are about to go for break. We are on with the awesome director, Jashin. Lots and lots of information. When we come back, I want to talk about the great shakeout. Oh, yes. St. Croix, our mobile apps provide access to business accounts on the go, and our merchant card services accept credit and debit payments anywhere, anytime. Plus, the online banking platform means your bank is always open. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallows Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. Bankofstcroix.com. 
the VI Energy Office and the University of the Virgin Islands Caribbean Green Technology Center are hosting the first VI Energy Fair. There will be outdoor live demonstrations, interactive workshops, and leaders from the community will be on site to discuss what the territory is doing to reduce energy costs. The fair will be held at the UVI campuses from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on St. Thomas on October 15th and on St. Croix on October 30th. For more information about the energy fair, cgtc-usvi.org forward slash energy dash fair. Good morning, neighbor. I see you got your bumper stickers and your sign up only. Yes, I'm so ready for this election season. Me too. Just waiting for the info on the polling places and then ballots. What polling places? You mean voting centers? The election system is using voting centers this year, where you can go anywhere across the island, walk in, fill out a ballot. Just bring your ID. Really? Because my daughter lives in Tutu, but walk all the way by the airport and would try to run back home before the sun goes down to vote. Nope. You're no longer stuck to just your neighborhood on election day. Voting centers mean you can vote anywhere in your district. And the next time, try the early voting option too. Skip the line altogether on election day. Girl, you have all the good tips this year, man. So, who's going to win? Ha! Read my yard sign. Then pick any voting center. Just remember, voting is not just your right. It's, it's the, the right, right thing, thing to do. <laughs> A message from the election system of the Virgin Islands. And we are back from our short break on Analyze This. And I am in the studio with Director Joshin. And in our first portion of the hour, we were kind of recapping and talking about flood watch, right? Um, expecting some rain in the territory. Um, so keep your eyes out, prepare. And, you know, that was a really, really great conversation about what we should be looking at, including if it is raining and there's about two feet of water be careful because anything anything over that could cause your car to swerve. Yeah, two, two things happen. Individuals try to go through that mm-hmm. in the swift moving water. We'll, we'll begin take that, that vehicle across um, and off the road. The other thing is if you take your foot off the gas, um, you will stall out. And so now you have your vehicle yourself in the middle of the, the, the river, if you will, and it's not a good thing. Again, we have to come rescue you, um, be safe, you know, prevention is the key thing. So find an alternate route around, plan ahead of time. Um, don't just try to say, well, it's only, it's only 10 feet to get across. Um, stop, assess, and please re- reassess and, and keep, keep yourself and your family safe. Stop, reassess, keep yourself, your family, and the others on the road safe, right? Because when we're driving, we have the responsibility. My father told me when I, he said, driving is more dangerous than a gun. He said you could hurt more, you know, more people with a car in one yeah. in one shot than a gun so like being a mindful driver um that's an extreme case because we're talking about water but you still have that responsibility and you know before break i was really excited for us to get to some of the information about the great shakeout usvi great shakeout which is an earthquake drill um last time i was on with you you were explaining to me that that existed and what it was and so i'd love to hear what happened when you had it this year Oh, thank you for the opportunity. It was a fantastic uh, outreach event. Everybody could get involved with this, but not just the U.S. Virgin Islands, basically worldwide. Uh, But for us in the territory, and again, over the last three years, we had like 7,000 registered two years ago. We had 10,000 last year. This year, we actually had registered 
17,788. So thank you to everybody who went out and participated in the Great Shakeout. 17,788. Wow, 17,788. And that, so, I mean, the participation is basically doubled from the first time, more than doubled from the first time you had it. In less than, and that's this is like three years. Yes, and I really have to thank the Department of Education, uh, the school children. Over over seventeen thousand, eleven thousand were uh, school age children, so so K through twelve, and teachers, uh, principals, uh, everybody got involved with this. And of course, you know, um, this is on the twentieth of October, which mm-hmm. was last last week uh, at ten twenty in the morning, uh, and we practiced. The alert went out, and we practiced the you know drop cover and hold on so that was a practice and obviously if you happen to be in a wheelchair uh, we talk about locking a wheelchair um, you know put yourself into the protective posture like in an airplane mm-hmm. and hold on and get through that so we practice that and you hold on for 60 seconds and typically as an earthquake goes through because you want to obviously protect yourself um, first of all and then we obviously after that uh, depending upon what you did in some cases uh, we, we evacuated outside of our areas we have like if our team has evacuation plan we have a, a rally point to go to uh, accountability is a huge thing for us to make sure everybody's out of the building we had guests in that day so we made sure we had accountability i happened to run the emergency management council meeting once a month and that was the day on thursday on st croix and thomas and st john so all of us we, we ended the, the meeting at the moment we went out and we got evacuation out i practiced some emergency radio communications on our satellite phones our handheld radios for accountability so we look at other things to do with that so you can also do that but the bare minimum was to drop cover and hold on. Again, a lot of great outreach was happening. Uh, my, my planning preparedness group, uh, Deputy Director Regina Brown, as you've, she's been on the show before, she was out visiting and we also have Miss James over on St. Thomas and St. John. We had some great videos that came in. I really want to thank uh, the legislature on, on St. John. They always do a great video for us and, and show what's happening. Uh, Administrator uh, Shimmy uh, Kamima Jones and uh, my supervisor Linda Williams, they did an evacuation video also. A little bit of humor in it, but it, it, again, it, it, it's the if you don't train for this event and something happens, and again, we are in an earthquake prone zone. So, again, Alert VI system will tell you what's happening. Uh, if it's an earthquake above you know, 4.1 within a 150 mile radius, you'll get alert on my Alert VI system. If there's an earthquake within the Atlantic Ocean 6.1 or above, then we basically also send out the alert messages and tell you where it is. And we also talk about any potential impact of a tsunami. So mm-hmm. the earthquakes and tsunamis come very close together in this particular environment because you know we're surrounded by water. Correct. Mm-hmm. I So I want you, when you said drop, cover, and hold on, I thought about like when I was growing up and you heard the fire stop, drop, and roll. If, if you know, like that's how you do that. And so I love it when they give us, gr- it's quick. Drop, cover, hold on. Yep. Drop, cover, hold on. And so I'd, I'd never heard that before, but that's one of the, what you should be doing, listening audience, what you should be doing if you get um, earthquake alert or you feel an earthquake, drop, cover, hold on. Exactly. And just one quick story, uh, Commissioner Calvert White was on St. Thomas at the EOC. And of course, Calvert White's like six foot three. So, so when it says, drop cover he had to find a place to get underneath he, he got underneath but when you're six foot three it's hard to find a spot to get underneath but he he did it so that was very important everybody gets the opportunity to practice that particular drop cover and hold it drop cover and hold and you know that's interesting because we talk about the different 
the different body types, the different heights, the different spaces, and that also has to do with spatial awareness. Um, I was I went away, and my my goddaughter told me she was like, "Nanny, you need to get your situational awareness under control." All right, and so that's also like part of that preparation not not panic not fear but situational awareness because like you said we do live in an earthquake prone zone and um as best as we can predict them they're also very unpredictable um and so drop cover hold i also wanted to talk about when you said evacuate evacuation so what was that process or what should that process look like after you know the 60 second hole Mm -hmm. um yeah, what does it look like? Well, well, the concern, obviously, is buildings have structural damage. And so what you want to do is be able to get out of the building to a safe area, and you want to get accountability of all your if you're in your business, all everybody who's in your business, if you're a teacher, all your students, uh, just making sure that you have a good accountability. If you're missing somebody, you have to figure out, I mean, where are they? You know, Try to get them on the phone. The phones work. They may not work. Uh, we also have strip maps to individuals' homes at Vitima, so we want to get accountability whether you're there or not there because, again, something may have to happen. We have to activate going forward. So it's it's not that difficult, but you should pre-plan your evacuation area. You should also make sure that when someone's in the building at the end, the last person out checks things and makes sure things, individuals are out. You know, So we have a three-story building in Christiansted, so that last person goes through from top to bottom, opens up all the doors, and just makes sure no one's in there. If they are, get them out. Uh, we had a situation in St. Thomas. We, we, we lost accountability for one person. We went down and found her and got her back out. Um, and exercise the drill. So that's so important. If you're a leader, a responsible person, or a teacher, you get that accountability for everybody who's involved. Or if you're a business owner, right? Exactly. Because you may have a small business, um, and you know you might not have control of what day is a busy day or what mm-hmm. day is a you know a really slow day. But what you should have for your staff, yourself, and potential guests is a, is what is your evacuation route? Because if I'm in a restaurant eating, or if you know if I'm in via paying my phone. Or, I may not know a situation can occur. I'm going to look to the leadership of the place to to, to mm-hmm. kind of tell me what to do next because I might be in panic mode. And so even if, you know, you should have your own evacuation routes and you should have your staff and team like Kalvaitima or figure out how to train vet it so that you can make sure that you are not just keeping yourself and your constituents. I mean, constituents, I'm so accustomed to the candidate speaks. <laughs> I understand. But yes, you all know who I'm talking yeah. about. The people, the patrons um safe so when you said i was like oh people who have you know non-huge public small businesses you need your evacuation plan to keep you safe and communicate communicate that plan to your staff that's why you know every year we have the the great shakeout so you can then premeditate you can go get your plan you have a huddle with your staff and say okay here's what we do if there's an earthquake and then you go back to history in both uh, earthquake and tsunamis 1867 and between St. Croix and St. Thomas, we had a 7.5 earthquake, and that's a significant earthquake, and did generate a tsunami. And you talk about the history books um, back in the day before car alarms, um, you know, churches had steeples, and you still have steeples on churches. Those steeples were falling off. Mm. It tells you the significance of the earthquake. It's not one of those things that says, well, what was that? No, you definitely know you're going to have, you know, the ground shaking. You can't stand up, you know, for a good 60 seconds. And so we six it. So there's no question, no doubt if you're going to be involved with an earthquake. So that's why we want to practice it. Immediately you drop covering, you hold on to that, that desk, at that, 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 uh, you know, armchair, what do you mean underneath? Hold on to that. So as, as it moves, you don't, you know, you're holding on to it. Because if not, in some cases, that vibration 
that, that particular item you know, underneath uh, will, will move away, and all of a sudden you're exposed. So hold on to that particular item. And of course, in 1867, we did have a tsunami generate because of that. So that's why we take very seriously the earthquakes and the tsunamis here in the territory. And well, now in the territory, we have um, tsunami warning locations, right? We have those tsunami sirens. So talk a little bit about that. I have a map in front of me. And so drop, cover, hold is what you would do. How much time in, would we have in between understanding if there was a tsunami warning after an earthquake? The, the way that the tsunami warnings work, uh, in some cases, such as the, the strong earthquake uh, that occurs, and if they could, you feel it, and again, car alarms go off, do not wait for an alarm. Do not wait for your phone to go off. Immediately start going to that higher elevation, which we talk about being 82 feet above sea level. So if you have an app on your phone, you can download, this is my elevation or my altitude and figure out where you are. Let's say your office is at 40 feet. Well, you just want to get up, up elevation-wise, height-wise, another 40 feet. So really, you don't have to go to the top of the hill on St. Croix or St. Thomas or St. John. Just if you're already at, at 82 feet or 100 feet, you're fine right where you are from a tsunami perspective. But we work with the Pacific Tsunami Warning Center, which is actually in, in Hawaii. So what happens, it takes them about 10 minutes to analyze um, the earthquake information and then come back with a recommendation as far as is it information, is it advisory, is it a, a watch, or is it a warning? The warning, the fourth highest level, uh, indicates that the, the wave, if you will, that wall of water is going to come towards us will be at least three feet high. And that can, that's a wall of water. It will come in and just keep on coming, keep on coming. It will push in. In some cases, it's going to be three feet high, but it's going to be maybe even a mile long. So it's going to come in and keep coming. If you've seen the videos in, in Japan, for example, it's not just a plop, a wave. It's a wall, and that wall just keeps on coming and coming and coming. So that's, it takes us about 10 minutes in Puerto Rico or in, in Hawaii to analyze that, and they send out an alert. An alert indicates, and I look at that, uh, indicates um, the height of the wave, when it's going to arrive, uh, and that information, then we have to set off the sirens manually, in a sense. My 911 centers on St. Croix and St. Thomas are the ones that actually push the button to send off all the tsunami sirens. So it's going to be at least 10 minutes, I would say, from the time you feel an earthquake till you have that go off. So when we practice the great shakeout, we didn't just do the earthquake and automatically push the button to have the sirens go off. I wanted everybody to be aware that there is a delay between the earthquake and the actual tsunami. Now, tsunamis can be considered local, like we had in, in Anagata Passage in 1867. They could be regional. They could be, you know, down island a little bit. They could be uh, closer to um, Puerto Rico, like we had in 2020 down by Ponce area. Mm -hmm. uh, they had 6.4 earthquakes, uh, and that would be about probably 20 to 30 minutes. And there's also long-distance tsunamis, like even in Portugal, the Canary Islands. There's a lot of uh, volcanic activities there, similar to what happened in Tonga. A uh, volcano could basically explode and cause a, a shift or a drop in a, a wall of, of, of earth, and that generates a tsunami. It's not always an earthquake. It could be a volcano uh, erupting that could cause that what happened in Tonga. So that, those are conditions, and then we'll, we'll have advanced notice come to us. So that's very important. And when the tsunami sirens do sound, um, there'll be a tone. In a tone, and also going to be some audio to, that goes with it and says that this is a test or this is an actual tsunami. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, because tsunamis can have several waves, like in after Tonga it happened, I was watching very carefully, like in Alaska, they had 14 tsunami waves come through. And the highest one, it may have only been about a foot high, but the highest one was like the fifth one. 
So again, you have to wait for what's called the all clear. So let you know you can go back down. So that's the other part we have to work with with the Pacific Tsunami Warning Center is when that all clear and then we will issue out again another tone, another message that said this all clear. So so especially for parents, we talk about this because the natural tendency is to go get your children from school when something happens. And so we work with the, the education departments, we work with the teachers to have them help evacuate within 10 minutes is our, is our timetable to get them out of the school up to a good safe place in order to be protected. So we tell parents, please, we have your children. Uh, education is gonna take care of them. That's why we have drills with them all the time. Get yourself to safety. If you can, you know, in, in the tent is that you don't drive your car unless you're out on an open highway to get up there. But if you're downtown Christiansted or Frederickstead uh, or you're in Charlemagne, um, get out and walk. Get out and walk. And I always ask the question, what happened I'm in my wheelchair? Well, wheelchair, you're going to have to assess where you currently are. Mm. Are you in a building? What's the risk? And then part of the messaging is how high is it going to be? So, you know, 82 feet, again, goes back to that history, that 100-year history about what happened and goes back to 1867. But that's why I uh, analyze, in some cases, that wall of water may only be a foot high. Mm. But it's going to come through. And if you're already up higher, you may be okay. So the question is, if you're a senior, we don't want you to put you at risk. We don't point to But you have to make that assessment about where you are and the risk of staying there versus moving somewhere else in the time it's going to take. Because you don't want to go on a second story building down to the floor and get out in the open area and be at risk again if it takes you 20, 30 minutes to do that. So it, it first of all, it goes back to what I think you've been saying, preparation, 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 um, practice, 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 because... Um, in cases of emergency, there's I feel like there's this stall, right? Like your brain, you actually, as soon as the emergency hits, you don't react that quickly. It takes a while for you to mm -hmm. orient yourself to what you're supposed to do. So the more that you practice doing something, you, you will begin to lessen that reaction time. And that reaction hopefully will become more natural and innate so that you, because you've mm -hmm. trained. Exactly. You've tra so your response... You're depending more now on the um, on the memory of what you're supposed yep. to do rather than figuring out, like gaming it out while it's happening. Exactly. It's like bowling, shooting a rifle, um, all those things you do repetitively. The more you train on it, the more you understand it, the better your, your body will react to it. And again, if you're a parent, your natural tendency is to go find your children and take your children. If you're at home, definitely you want to practice that. You want accountability for that. So that's very, very important. You, you said exactly how it should be said. So we are going to take our next break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the community's role. I was in a meeting. We talked about VOADs and COADs and how that assisted any of this. Um, so we'll be back after the break. El sistema de elecciones de las Islas Vírgenes lo está haciendo más fácil para que tú formes parte de nuestro equipo por medio de nuestro programa de voluntarios. Estamos en busca de personas buenas como tú que puedan proveer a cada votante el apoyo que necesitan para que efectivamente puedan participar en el proceso de votación. 
puede comenzar recogiendo y completando la aplicación para voluntarios de cualquiera de nuestras oficinas en el territorio. Usted puede servir como monitor. También tienes la opción de convertirte en un facilitador, asegurando que los votantes que están votando por primera vez, los envejecientes y la comunidad de deshabilitados puedan votar con confidencia y acertadamente. Si tienes el tiempo y estás dispuesto a servir, hay un lugar para ti. Solo inscríbete. Si quieres más información, llama al 340-773-1021. Y recuerda, el votar no es solo su derecho, es lo correcto hacer. A nonprofit organization since 1996 is proud to present the Hermitage Piano Trio. The Hermitage Piano Trio has received multiple Grammy Award nominations for performances that range in breadth from the works of the great European tradition to contemporary American pieces. The Hermitage Piano Trio will perform live at the Prior Jolly Hall on the Antilles campus Saturday, October 29th at 8 p.m. The courtyard opens at 7 p.m. with a live performance from a local classical trio and small meals, beverages, and desserts by Amalia Cafe. For more information, theforumusvi.org, 646-725-3353 or theforumusvi at gmail.com. are back. If you are just tuning in, you're listening to me, Summer Sibley Brown, filling in for Neville James, and I am on with Director Jashin, the director of Vitima, and we are talking flash floods, practice shakeout drills. Um, our last conversation was on the Great Shakeout, which is a national event, but this year, 17,788 Virgin Islanders participated in the Great Shakeout and shout out to the Department of Education and our schools for letting 11,000 of those participants who are prepping themselves be youth. So, you know, Director Jashin, next year, I mean, you, now you have a goal to exceed. Yeah, and we've done a great, great job the last couple of years. Every year as we've increased that. And in March, we'll do a, a tsunami uh, drill called the uh, Carib Wave. And, and again, next uh, November 5th, we actually have a tsunami walk coming up. So basically, it's like get to know your zone. And so with some more information come out from Vitima on, that's a Saturday, the 5th of November, um, with a tsunami walk. So a lot of education, you can get involved and understand. This, this November? Yes, this November. Okay, so, so November 5th, that's an important date yeah, then. Yeah, we'll, we'll get information out for everybody. And all, all, all three islands will definitely have a tsunami walk. We've been talking to EMS to make sure they're available to be there for us also. We want you to get used to getting out and walking and, and knowing your elevation. So you go back to that preparedness and that situational awareness it is so, so important. But in March, we'll have what's called Carib Wave. The Carib Wave is a tsunami drill. Again, it's Caribbean-wide, and we'll base it on a couple of different scenarios, either long-distance tsunami that we talked about, a regional tsunami, or could be a, a local tsunami, which only gives us 10 minutes to really get to a, a safe zone. So November 5th, tsunami walk, March, Carib Wave. Carib wave. 
in the tsunami walk, I'm thinking, because you're right, get to know your zone, get to know your elevation. Like these, the information pieces are critical. You need to know if you're at 82 feet elevation and how much takes you up. We need to know if we, you have elderly or wheelchair bound people in your home. We need to practice this. Um, during the break, when we were talking, I was asking him about VOADs and COADs and, and the community's role, right? Because so emergency response, the coordination is primarily the government, right? We have a emergency command center. We have all these directors who participate. Mm -hmm. They're coordinating. I've seen a big binder. I mean, like, I've, I know that there is a big binder, like, with millions of plans in there about this is, you know, this is what you're supposed to do if this is happening, right? And now we're training people on it. People, community, we have... We have a role um, because they could only coordinate the emergency. They could only prep us for it. But actually, for our whole community to be safe, that talks about how we show up individually um, in our own personal homes. But then I was like, well, what about civic organizations? Yeah. Do they have a role in this? Yeah, there's a couple of groups I'll, I'll mention. Of course, the American Red Cross is a great group to work with. Executive Director Tina Beezer is always part of my meetings and part of the discussion. Every Friday morning at 7.30, I still have a sheltering coordination call for shelters coming on, and she's always on that. But if you want to get involved with the Red Cross, does it matter if you're in St. Croix, St. Thomas, St. John, please talk to Executive Director Beezer or, or uh, Lily Alvarez down there on St. Croix, and really uh, Gail um, it's, uh, Razor is over on St. John. It's a great group to work with, and that's, that's one group that's always involved. And they work primarily Department of Human Services when we do have an activation or disaster that goes on. My other group is I do have amateur radio operators that are always are available for us, and we're going through a, a training session to get new licensed individuals on the island of St. Croix. Um, so I thanks to that, that community that's doing that right now for individuals who are involved with doing that. We've had it in the past on St. Thomas, and we've had it in St. John. But right now, the current uh, activity is going to be about eight weeks of, of training every two nights a week to go through the, the curriculum. But then you become a licensed radio operator, and we have uh, repeaters between the three islands that we talk to each other every morning at 7 o'clock on the weather net. And then every Monday night at 8 o'clock, we have what's called an Aries net, which is re-emergency coordination net. So we get used to talking on the radios. And it's great. You can be on St. Croix. You can talk to someone on St. John just on amateur radio operators. They're very, very good. And we do have, um, Vitima does put on some training called the CERT training, which is the Community Emergency Response Team. We just finished uh, uh, training this last weekend uh, for the uh, junior firefighters. So thank you for the VI Fire Service and junior firefighters for coming out some from training. Uh, teach you some basic first aid, how to handle a fire extinguisher, just things you can do for the community. It gives the junior firefighters and the young men and women some confidence and their parents did out. If a fire, fire goes on, this young individuals know how to put out a fire. And also first aid, how to do CPR, how to do some you know first aid, um, you know pressure dressings, all those things. But as part of the community wanting to get involved, besides just uh, listening to them on the radio. So we appreciate individuals who are reaching out and being part of that CERT community. And of course, we do have the VOAD community, which is volunteer organizations after disasters. Uh, we have Jay Rollins and Dee Richards being very much uh, involved the last several years. Uh, this group has really stepped up since uh, Hurricanes Irma and Hurricane Maria, realizing there was a gap in our community. 
Uh, our faith-based group is very much involved with the VOAD community. Uh, a lot of it has to do with, you know, what do you do after disaster? Can your community come together? Uh, while Vitima is trying to work with the federal government and come into continuity of government business, uh, the faith-based group steps up and we're able to coordinate with them to get some food and some water to them. Uh, similar to how we do our points of distribution, they're like, just get it to us. We'll we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll make it happen. So, uh, even some shelters are, are done uh, through faith based group, not official ones, I would say, but unofficial ones. That then, if individuals have needs, they can go through that the VOAT group. And again, after a particular disaster, we have to do the assessments. Mm-hmm. So you can't say we're going that this area is going to be damaged or not damaged. But part of the first 24 to 48 hours, they go out and about and assess where, where is the damage, where is the prioritization of effort. And we talk about unity of effort quite a bit when we set up our command structure, make sure we're all focused that say, uh, you know, particular area is very damaged. Obviously we're gonna focus on, you know, saving lives is the first thing. We wanna get accountability. We want to, with, with fire and rescue to go out in those first 72 hours and make sure we have accountability and we get extraction of individuals and get them to, to taken care of. It's very, very important. Then we start looking at the basic needs uh, shelter, food, water, communication is very important. We're able to reach out to the community and radio stations are one of the primary methods we do that is to keep you informed of what's going on. So we just talk about, you know, be prepared, you know, stay vigilant um, and always, you know, be informed. So those are three things we talk about quite a bit at Vitima. So American Red Cross, amateur radio operators, then there's individual citizens who are sort of cert trained. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have volunteer organizations after disaster. I, I really think it is important to kind of like, li- for me all the time, lifting that layer up of all of the things that have to weave together and be coordinated, right? Because even so, even though these, these functions may not directly be in within Vitima, they have to have relationship with Vitima in order, one, to keep information flowing, to keep people safe. And then, like you said, that unity of effort to to figure out here's here's how we're coordinating. Here's the priority we're dealing with. Here's how you could be actually helpful. Because if there isn't that level of coordination, someone in these groups could be entering themselves into danger, which then becomes distracting to the other lives that you're trying to save, right? So making sure that people are trained, people understand, people have information, and more importantly, that people have relationship and communication with your office is critical. And as an everyday citizen in my house, I'm not thinking about these things. Like when you said amateur radio operators and there's a certification, I was like, wow, that's cool. So that happens. That's a thing. We don't, you know, when you have the privilege of living in a place where some of these things are done and, you know, we're just like, oh, this ain't walking or that a walk or they need to do this better. But there's a lot of moving parts um, to coordinating emergency management. And so one, I appreciate mm-hmm. you and I also appreciate just the ability to lift those layers. Yeah, exactly. We, we talk about being resilient and we, we are a resilient you know, group and we've been through so much together. And, and again, you know, we're building back and we're building stronger. Uh, we, you know, we see recovery. We always talk about being slow, but we have so much going on to bring it back better. But again, another disaster is going to happen at some point. We're going to become victims again. 
Um, you know, volunteers have always stepped up and asked for help and support. Donations will come into the territory. We need to tell them what donations, you know, we need. And the Red Cross says, hey, please, you know, put that donation in money. We can use that. You know, don't send us your winter coats. We don't need winter coats. But, but that's all part of what Vitima does. We work with the, the donators, uh, donation companies to make sure if something comes in, we get the right thing. We get the right, you know, baby products to, for the mothers that need that. That's so important to have available. Uh, for the community and make sure we know how to communicate that. Uh, we have exercises uh, that identify um, if we have oil spill, for example. Volunteers always want to come up and, and save the turtles and save the shoreline. Vitima coordinates that. So even though the private sector may be working that particular response with, with the U.S. Coast Guard, Vitima wants to have volunteers come out and help to help clean up the shoreline, be trained on hazmat, how to do that properly, not just show up and get in the way. So if something does happen, we want to communicate to the community. If you want to help, here's how you can help. And volunteers are fantastic. So, yeah, there is an appropriate way to help. And I'm glad that you brought up oil spills because, you know, again, emergency management. And so we because of where we are geographically um, and our preponderance to have hurricanes and the potential climate driven man made not mean weather driven. Mm -hmm. You also do active shooter. You also do. You know what I mean? You also do other other disasters that can come from a result of man-made efforts right so you, you have a you have a broad mandate because you kind of have to consider what are all of the emergencies that we might be exposed to and kind of scenario plan which is something i'm big on i love scenario planning and i think i say it all the time that i don't think our government does it enough but vitima is is one place where you guys are in this let scenario plan based on what might happen and what's out there and what yep. we need to prep people for. And, and here's what happened in, starting in July this year. Um, there is this algae seaweed called sargasm. Mm -hmm. So it's not in my playbook that says, here's what you do for sargasm. So all of a sudden we're in emergency management council meeting with the governor, water power authority, um, the COO stood up and said, look, we have a sargasm influx. I'm like, well, what, what is that? What does that mean? Well, in Christianstead, we have a desalinization plant that puts out 3.7 million gallons of fresh water per day. And it's all intake down here at, uh, at Christianstead. The problem is um, the intake is not that far. There's like two 36-inch intake valve pipes um, in, in the channel um, that basically the sargasm backs up as much as it does. You've seen it. Um, then it basically jumped over to the long reef and came in and basically was impacting the filtration system and causing that production level to reduce down to about 2 million gallons. But so you had to clean it constantly. And of course, our, we were in a drought at the time, so our 11 million gallons of water was down to about, you know, uh, 9 million gallons, was down low. Uh, and then what ended up happened is we only had about two and a half days supply of water and the tr trucks were taking out. We were consuming uh, a lot of, you know, we were generating 3.7, consuming 3 million gallons per day. Then all of a sudden, Water Power Authority said, with this influx, um, we're going to run out of water. And so we, we ended up writing a federal declaration. Uh, governor said a state of a territory. We sent up to, we did a federal state of emergency. We're able to get some support from FEMA down here. Did a lot of analysis on the sargasm, just like an oil spill. Where does it come from? Where does it go? Uh, we were able to get some direct federal assistance to remove some of that threat. We're looking at some reimbursement now for some of the dollars that were spent for that. But that was something we had to basically go in at the immediate on the fly, but use what's called incident command. Uh, DPNR incident commander was Commissioner Oreo. 
We have um, Vitema involved. We have obviously Water Power Authority involved. We had Waste Management Authority because we had to remove the threat and put it somewhere. So it had to go somewhere and properly be disposed of. So a lot of us came together for about you know a month and a half and really focused on that threat. And we learned a lot in the process. So but, you know, so now Water Power Authority has some options part of recovery to also add in some preventive measures for them. So if it does come back, and it's usually going to come back between March and October, with probably July being at the prime month. So we're prepared for if it comes back again, not just for St. Croix, but also we looked at St. Thomas potentially as a concern. They have the same, same type of desalinization plant on St. Thomas. March to October is a wide window. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but... This in listening to our conversation, you mentioned, you know, this your agency inter interacts with a lot of other agencies. Like you are working together, you know, you worked with education. You, I mean, not just in the EOC, but to get the work done, you're working with DPNR. You're working with private business. You're working with WAPA. You're working with FEMA, right? So a lot of your job, you know, when we hear is that coordination. And relationship, and then really, just want to like for me. I'm, every time you speak, I'm like the breadth of knowledge because you know now you're like talking about a little bit of engineering. Before when we were talking about hurricanes, there's this geography piece. So listen out there, if there are future, if you have kids who are talking about, I want to do something in emergency management. Like you know, we should be paying attention to the breadth of skill that is needed in Vitima to in order to keep us safe. Like I'm like, wow, there is. There's just something about the command you have on all these pieces of information that tells me, one, you work really hard, and two, you're fluent in these different languages. And so I, I, I imagine that takes effort. It, it, it does. It takes a lot of effort. I have a tremendous team. I'm assistant director, Barbara Peterson's on St. Thomas. I have an EOC over in St. John. I'm deputy director de Blasio is over in St. John and goes back and forth. And I get around also and then with 911. I mean, so 911 is underneath by Tima. So we constantly are looking at recruiting for new operators, training them, getting them through the position of personnel, and really trying to find a home in emergency management. Uh, and then we have a new thing coming up, and I'll mention it's not with FITEMA, but Department of Health is now spinning up what's called 988, which is for mental health suicide prevention. So it used to be a long number you had to call, but right now if you call either Envia, Liberty, uh, you know, T-Mobile, uh, landline, you will, 988, you get right now the national hotline. Again, if you're a veteran, it uh, gives you an option for veterans to call, button two, English and Spanish, but you, you get a chance to also connect if you're a veteran to the suicide prevention hotline. So we've been working with Department of Health constantly on that information at outreach. Director Jashin, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm, I'm, and I always learn so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much also. I appreciate it. We will be back um, after this break. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Parents, have you struggled with finding safe spaces for your children to meet up and learn through play and social interaction? Teen Time at the VI Children's Museum offers fun family learning for children ages 12 to 18 years old. 
a free program for all participants. For dates and information, 340-643-0366 or teen time at vichildrensmuseum.org. It's late October, and that means it's time for the Soul Show's Halloween special. Songs of gremlins, voodoo, and fear will befall you. I'm Mike Canton, the host of the Soul Show. Lock your door and join me. Saturday, October 29th, starting at 7 p.m., right here on WTJXFM 93.1. 